0: Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran.
1: Hey, good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's the Father's Day edition of Sound Insight. Or should I say the Father's Week edition? Pam, what do you think? Oh, it takes at least a week to celebrate fathers. Amen. Oh, yes. amen. That's, uh, that's the voice of one of our wonderful fathers, Father Curt Nagel. And we also have Father Jim Northrup in the house today. Good morning, fathers. Good morning, morning.
0: Father Curran. I'll go you not know, sacramentally, but still, definitely Father current.
1: As a result of a sacrament, though, right? True, true. Yeah, the right. sacrament of holy matrimony. There we go. So, Well, today you can tell what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about spiritual fatherhood, the fatherhood of priests. We'll talk about what priests have had impacts in our own lives. Priests as uh, fathers who provide and protect us. And what does that look like? How does that actually show up? We also have some wonderful quotes from uh, the venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen on the priesthood. All of this and more on Sound Insight. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to an encore presentation of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Whereas the mentions of upcoming events and seasons may have passed, the insights still apply to helping Catholics grow in their daily life of faith. For information about current events, visit the events page online at sacredheartradio.org. Enjoy the program. Welcome back to the program. We begin each uh, program with a scripture reading and a prayer. Father Northrop, will you please lead us?
2: Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 And this comes from St. John's Gospel, the 15th chapter. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you want and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for the privilege of gathering as your children, brought into the family of God by the blood of Jesus, and we pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit to open our hearts to your goodness and love as we discuss the importance of fatherhood, and we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Father Northrop. Well, today on the program, as I mentioned, uh, we're still in the overflow, the afterglow oh. of the gift of Father's Day, and so uh, it's great to be with you, good fathers, to, to talk with us and in a certain sense, reflect with us on, on that reality of fatherhood. I think it's one of the uh, amazing gifts that Christ, in establishing the church, established a church with these different offices of uh, the ordained, the offices of those who hold uh, this, this role uh, of, the, of being a priest. Uh, and today on Sunday, we're going to talk a bit about that. We'll talk about uh, the reality of, of this sacramental priesthood and of spiritual fathering. And uh, I thought that would be great to get started by just talking about the, the gift of priests in our own lives. Priests who have been for us, in a certain sense, uh, uh, functioning in a, in a fatherly role, in a fatherly way. And so let me give, begin with you, Father Nagel. When you think about uh, your own uh, life growing up as a, as a young man and, and growing into adulthood and eventually to ordination yourself, um, who do you think of when you think of the priest as father, the priest as spiritual father?
0: I I may not be the perfect person to act at the beginning, but uh, as the starter of this conversation. But I because I, you know, as a boy, that that wasn't really my um, that was my experience. It wasn't. I had no bad experiences of priests, but I, but I also there wasn't anybody close to me. We weren't connected in that way, in a sense. And you know, I fell away from the church after high school, and so so in my early life, that I didn't have this early sense of vocation. I did not. My the, the priests in my life were were pretty distant, and I, I don't blame them at all. It's just that you know, that's the way we were connected. It, it wasn't that wasn't a real a reality for me. I think that so I I came back to the to the faith and when I was twenty five, uh, going into graduate school and going to different places uh, to study here in Seattle and then back east and and then in the seminary uh, online Seminary as well. I would say, you know, in, uh, if you're talking about Live priests that I encountered, there were, you know, certainly, you know, for instance, in my seminary, my my spiritual directors were always good. Uh, Father Gus Balowski was a, uh, is, is so he hasn't he hasn't died. He's still alive in there at the seminary, but he is a, a, a good spiritual director for me, and also a uh, uh, Father Pat Boyle SJ, uh, who was a moral theologian there at uh, Mundelein. Uh, we would go out to breakfast on Saturday mornings after after early mass, and so in that sense, got to know him uh, very well. And he was in, definitely in some ways a mentor too. I think that um, you know, I, I have to even say that, you know, in terms of you want know, to talk about fatherhood, it's it's a big term, I think, but but someone who's a mentor and. And somebody who was looking, I know, always felt looked after me. It was, uh, Pat Ritter, uh, of our own archdiocese. He's my pastor as I was in a, a parochial vicar. And I always had a, a, a definite sense of his, you know, this, this care of, um, you know, he used to joke how different we were, you know, I'm, I'm tall and he's not and these sorts of things. But, but I always had a sense that he was definitely, uh, watching my back and, and, you know, definitely a, a protective presence in that sense, you know, and not nothing dramatic, but I, I did feel that, uh, uh, that sense of him, too. How
1: about you, Father Northrup?
2: Well, I um, grew up as a Catholic and went to Mass at Christ the King and Richmond, Washington. And my first kind of experience with a priest and a fatherly figure was probably Monsignor Sweeney. And he was an older priest there who, you know, served and built the first church in the 30s with the Manhattan Project and so forth. And he always wore a cassock, or he often wore a cassock and smoked a pipe and He lived down the street from the church but it was just he celebrated the mass with such love and reverence and i remember that and i I had to go to him for my first confession and i was a nervous wreck probably like most second graders Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he was very gentle and kind and just always remember him having a love for the mass and i know he struggled with some of the implementation and some of the reforms of vatican ii because he he kind of felt i think they took away from the, the sacrifice of the mass but he was a nice gentleman and very fatherly and just a kind person. And then in college, I I met another priest who was a convert, uh, a Baptist, and was more charismatic. And the the advice he gave me that I remember to this day and is very important for me since I'm getting ready to move to relocate to another parish is, he would say, always pray for the gift of detachment, that when the Lord moves you on to a new assignment or new place, you're grateful for what you experience, but that nothing is attached to you that will hold you back from stepping in and just doing what he wants you to do in that new place. You know, and I've just been praying for that gift of detachment as I prepare to uproot and move to a new place and everything. So I've had very good experiences um, with priests. i never, like Father Nagel just said, I've never had a negative experience. Had a great spiritual director who was very blunt with me, which is what I need. And um, so I've had a very good experience. But I'd say, I'd say Monsignor Sweeney, I know when one of the tanks fell out in the Hanford area. He actually crawled under the tank to minister to the person there and anoint them and help them when mm-hmm. they were in a bad place. So he was just a wonderful gentleman. And servant of God.
1: Well, thank you, Father Northrop. How about you, Pam? I grew up in a,
3: a really small town with not many Catholics, and our parish had never produced a priest, so we usually got priests that were on their last legs. And when I was in high school, we got a priest who was middle-aged and vibrant and full of the Holy Spirit. He loved young people. He would take us to all kinds of things, and he got us involved with retreats in the big city. and. Um, he was wonderful, Father Marty O'Hare. I pray for him, for his soul every day. And I'm just so thankful that the timing was right
1: and the Lord had a plan. So when you think about the ways that he was um, sort of a fatherly presence to you, sort of like a spiritual father to you, how did that show up?
3: I think he just took a real care in our personal lives. He knew who was dating who, and he knew who was going to be receptive to this newest book that had come out or this new idea, and this was in the 70s, so really things were still shaking out, I guess they were for a long time, from Vatican II, but he would sit down really talk and explain these things to us, and he was always telling us about the Holy Spirit and showing us the Holy Spirit and inviting us to open our hearts, and that was just all very unusual and Just not what it had been like with other priests.
1: So Pam, both Father Nagel and Father Northrup talked a bit about the priests that have had, let's say, a fatherly impact on them um, as adults in the seminary and then as priests. Uh, Would you say the same is true for you, that that idea of being a spiritual father isn't only one for when we're young, but even into adulthood.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we hear that a lot from listeners. Since I um, started actually working at Sacred Heart Radio, we hear that from people. They put it into those words that the priests they hear on the air are oftentimes their spiritual fathers because for one reason or another that's who they connect with and they can count on them always being
1: there. That's really neat. Well, and I I think about it, I have a little bit of a both experience. Uh, When I was younger, I was very deeply impacted by the priests at our local parish, St. Malachy's, outside of Boston. Uh, We had some great Irish priests that were there. uh, Father Joe Riley and his brother, Father Leo Riley. Brothers, blood brothers, and yet uh, both priests. Father Leo was a Jesuit, but he was assigned there uh, So after he retired from his, um, from his uh, teaching role and they had uh, just a deep impact on my family and on me as an altar boy for years, uh, very involved in our family's life and very, very grateful for them. Um, and I felt, I felt a little bad, I felt a little guilty, Pam, when you said you pray for um, the priest that impacted you every day. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I occasionally will pray for Father Joe, but I just feel such confidence he's in heaven. <laughs> I'm more often asking him for prayers than praying for him. Uh, and then uh, in the seminary, I had just so many priests that had an impact on me. But I, I can think of one, this Father Mark is Father Mark Noonan. I still quote him quite a bit. And he impacted me so deeply as a um, as a spiritual director and a philosophy and theology professor. So. I'm very grateful for the way that they were spirit. Uh, uh, those priests were spiritual fathers in in my own life, so uh, I'm very grateful to them. Well, um, our good fathers, uh, do do you realize that uh, that uh, what Pam just said that when folks are listening to you on the radio, uh, Father Nagel and Father Northrop, that uh, it's a blessing and it's a gift, and and that's one of the real reasons why Sacred Heart Radio has has shown such a strong commitment to get local priests uh, on the air, is to be able to provide folks in the great Northwest to be able to to build up that sense of connection and relationship and uh, receiving insight from from her local priests. I, I think that is a, it's a tremendous and beautiful commitment that Sacred Heart Radio has made. And I thank you both for making that commitment. I don't know if you ever get feedback like that, but I want you to hear it now.
0: You know, it is interesting that I I go to someplace else, I, I, or, or people come to my parish, and it, it, it's not unusual for people to say, "Oh yeah, I hear you on Sacred Heart Radio." Um, so I I do I do realize that there is a, a listener uh, audience out there that that makes connections definitely, and somebody say, "Oh, so you're the priest on the, on the radio?" Yep, this is me, uh, <laughs> and so it's it's just an interesting. Uh, that's true. It's, there there is obviously connections made.
2: Me too. I've persons come up to me usually right before mass. I was just listening to you on Sound Insight or something, and your mass starts at eight thirty, and and everything. Or they say, you know, we just heard you, and I'm like, wow, I've been on for a while. It must be a repeat or something. <laughs> they, they're always, they're always very gracious and happy, and and hopefully find encouragement in what we say. That's the whole per- you know, encourage one another while still today and and everything. But sometimes you're more aware, and sometimes you're not. And people just come in from out of the blue and remind you of something, and maybe that's just the Lord giving you a little consolation, saying, hey. You're having an impact in, in, in people's lives.
1: So, Fathers, I'd love to talk, before we get into these quotes by uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, I'd love to be able to hear you reflect a bit about your own experience of being father. Uh, you're an ordained Catholic priest, but you're, you're, for so many people, father. Father Kurt Nagel, Father Jim Northrup. And uh, I'd love for you to be able to just reflect a little bit about what that means to you, and if you have a story or two of how you actually experience that, I think that'd be a great blessing. Well,
0: you know, I it, it's I was reflecting on uh, I think last week or the week before maybe uh, I saw a, a national Catholic uh, magazine or something, a uh, media uh, posing the question: Should we stop calling priests father? You know, is this something that's not helpful for us anymore? And I was just thinking that and I think you know I I, 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 I think that would be obviously I think it'd be a bad idea in the sense that people do that you know it's it's father this father that it's it, it is clearly a, a, a role that that uh, that's many people take on as real and and I, I don't I don't think that there's any reason to change that and I, I, I think about that just in terms of I do think in terms of fatherhood the the you know, the learning names of people, you know, it's hard to you know, hard to love children who don't know your names. Although I remember, <laughs> I don't feel too bad because sometimes my parents got us all this mixed up too. It says, Hey, you know, Kurt, Scott, Reed, whoever you are, um, come on over here. Um, and so I don't feel horrible when I, I forget somebody's name, but I do think that whole idea of being able to, to call your your school kids by name or your faith formation kids by name and, uh, is important. And I had a an, an interesting, uh, you know, talking about a uh, little, story of incident it was a funeral um probably last month two months ago something like that and and one of the people one of the families that came to the funeral they were distantly connected to the person who had died and uh so these, they have little girls they have you know probably like two three and five years old and uh, the, the family the, the parents were coming up from the communion line uh and you know they usually after mass they'll these little girls will come up and hug you uh hug me and it's usually around the knees because that's all mm-hmm. high there are so on the community line these little girls came up and just started to hug me uh in the midst of the community line with everybody else coming up you know and and that was just kind of a one of those those moments when people go, no you know this, isn't that cute but it, it was you know, clearly' it's one of those those scenes where you know there's there's a connection emotional connection there with this family and it was just a public you know, display of that that you know, that's kind of a fatherly moment there.
2: I I would have to say um, confession is, is a time. Um, I remember one situation where an individual came in, and it was a child, actually, and, and I asked them if they had an act of contrition, and they started to say it and got all choked up and started crying. And and I said, are you, are you crying because you're sorry that you sinned? And they just said, yes. And, and I said, oh, well, let's think of the father and the prodigal son and how happy he was his son came back, and that's where God is with you right now. And I just felt the the love of the father in a really special and affectionate way there and be able to give that to someone else and say, this is how God thinks of you and he's just happy you're back and safe and, and wanting to reconnect with him, your relationship with him. So I, I confession is just a very powerful thing for me. And, and I think about that, you know, the father loves to lavish the Holy spirit on his children. How much more the heavenly father give the Holy spirit to those who ask and reminding that God is a good father. I attended the Steubenville Northwest thing last year and they just kept playing that song, Good, Good Father. And now I know why, because there are a lot of father wounds in people's lives and for us to be able to come along, I mean, not in the same way of, of a real physical father is over his children because that's just of extreme importance, but at least to start some kind of healing process if they've experienced a brokenness there and everything that you can be representative of that is, is a powerful thing, but especially in the Sacrament of Reconciliation.
0: And I think that, you know, just jumping off of what Father Northrop said that. um, you know, part of being a father, it's it's a difficult balance sometimes. I think, um, to to be supportive and and firming, embracing at the same time, sometimes challenging. You know, I don't know about you, but you know, sometimes, my father had to challenge me a little bit, um, to say, you know, if you want to if you if you want to grow up, part of the father's job is to help you grow up, and to sometimes that means, you know, to to keep you to your commitments or to challenge you to do better. And that, that balance of, it's a, you know, the art form of of parenting, which I'm sure, Tom, you can uh, relate to, you know, literally in terms of uh, your children. But, you know, the discipline versus the, you know, the yes and the no, the, um, the, how how do you show love sometimes? So I do think that there's, and I think priests, I I know thinking from the past and sometimes other people's stories. Obviously, some priests get this wrong, um, not in terms of abuse or anything, but just that uh, again, whether they've been too harsh or too hard or too challenging or not forgiving enough. And and I do think that there's a you know even that even that problem or that challenge is a fatherly problem uh, that the priests uh, have to deal with, and just like a, a parent would too. But I do think that that's you know that that's there too, and that also calls forth you know the, the the fatherly role. If you care for this person and you care for this person's spiritual development, you want to challenge them, and yet you don't also want to crush them. How do you how do you uh, urge them forward? Um, because the the whole fa- point of the father is service for the growth of the children and. How do you do that? Well, it's, it's something that probably biological fathers and and spiritual fathers both kind of lose sleep over sometimes. Say, you know, did I make a mistake there? Um, you know, I don't want to, but I need to challenge this person. So again, that's part of it as well.
1: Well, you tapped right into something that it does. It keeps me up at night. That sense of responsibility for the good of my kids, for their spiritual welfare, for their just total health and growth and flourishing. I mean, it's a. It's a constant burden. Mm -hmm. Um, We're coming up against a break. When we come back, I'm going to read a quote from the Catechism. Uh, It's from this sacrament of penance and reconciliation, uh, and it's about how the priest is carrying that weight of responsibility by praying and doing penance for his penitence. Very interesting quote. It's uh, paragraph 1466, and we'll come to that in just a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom and the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to Sound Insights. This is Tom Curran, and in this uh, uh, Father's Day edition, we're calling it. It's a day after Father's Day, but it's a wonderful opportunity to reflect on fatherhood, spiritual fatherhood in particular, with Father Jim Northrup, Father Kurt Nagel, and Pam Gunderson. And today on the program, we've got some wonderful quotes from uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen on the priesthood. But before we get to those, um, we're reflecting a little bit about the priest, in being a spiritual father. And uh, both Father Northrop and Father Nagel were reflecting a bit on uh, the, the call to uh, be that minister of reconciliation as part of being a spiritual father. And I just want to read the end of this paragraph from uh, paragraph 1466 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's about the confessor. And it's the confessor is not the master of God's forgiveness, but its servant. And it says that uh, that uh, he must lead the penitent with patience toward healing and full maturity. He must pray and do penance for his penitent, entrusting him to the Lord's mercy. And I'd love, Father, to let you know to have you reflect a little bit about that—that that idea of praying and doing penance for his penitent—and and I consider that a very fatherly role. It's something that had really. Dawned on me, especially this past Lent, that I undertook a number of penances this Lent on behalf of my kids for their spiritual good, and coming to see that as a fatherly activity was really new for me, and it was really very striking the impact that it had. So, fathers, what about you in hearing that that quote from the Catechism?
0: You know, it, it reminds me first off of uh, you know in, on a natural level how oftentimes father's sacrifice for their kids without necessarily them knowing that it's happening. I mean, looking back on my own father's life, and and I suspect uh, many people could could echo this and thinking how he worked or what he didn't get or where he, where he didn't go or all these other things in which uh, he denied himself and for the good of the family, uh, whether that's just to, you know, second job or staying late or you know, all sorts of things in which there was sacrifice and that uh, was uh, there for the, the the children's growth, you know. That's kind of in the natural the realm, but in terms of the spiritual reality, the supernatural uh, truth, I just remember uh, one of the books that uh, that uh, influenced me on a, in the seminary was the classic biography of John Vianney, um, and I forget the French author's name, but um, I'm sure Tom and probably you two, Father Jim, have read it at some point, and how and how much. Penance that John Vianney did for his penitence. He often would give them a fairly small penance, uh, thinking, "Well, I'll do the rest of it myself," and sort of taking that on. and And I have I have reflect on that. I think that has been a a uh, a uh, influence on my life in the way in which I, you know, the idea it's it's not a a foreign idea that you know you, you somehow do penance for your penitence that's something that's part of what you do in terms of being a confessor i think that's so that from john vianney i to be honest i hadn't re- you know remembered uh that line from the catechism it's more like the the experience of john vianney was the more uh, powerful uh instigator of that thought in my mind
2: well i remember i was in ours in 2005 for a worldwide retreat for priests and there are a little- Bunny Ear Translators, the French bishop, talked about St. John Vianney and how a man came into confession to him once and said, you know, confess his sins and he gave him his penance. And he said, oh, Father, that's too hard for me. And then St. John Vianney said, I'll help you with it. I'll help you with that penance. And that you just reminded me of that, that, that attitude, that disposition of willingness to, to help, to nurture, encourage um, is certainly a fatherly character. Um, and how we're invited to do that. And just even the Liturgy of the Hours, because, you know, we, we, I don't know about you, Father Nagel, but I try to say kind of a ceiling prayer when I leave the confessional, that, you know, leave things in here and just, you know, because I don't want to be taking all these. Because sometimes the things people confess are upsetting and just reminders of the great brokenness in the world and everything. But we do have a memory. So if I remember things, try and just to intercede on behalf of the person. Um, if I think of something, then maybe the Lord's bringing that up just to help me, run, remind me to pray and intercede for these people on their behalf and everything, because certainly you're not gonna break the seal or anything like that. But yeah, just offering things up and especially for families, just the awareness of the brokenness in our relationships with our families, moms and dads, children, and, and trying to find ways to, Lord, please bring healing into our families, saying prayers for families and just things like that. Because that's a great majority of the confessions we hear are just our relationships are so compromised sometimes and full of rancor and bitterness and so forth and unforgiveness. So just interceding and offering masses for families and stuff. But a lot of that comes out of what you hear in confession.
1: You know, that's so striking when you uh, when you share like that, Father, and, and also you, Father Nagel, um, about this, I, I guess, really powerful way that uh, fatherliness, spiritual fatherliness, manifests itself in the act of forgiveness. And that is, I think, that, one of those things that um you know when a father thinks about the role he has in a family and we can extend this all the way to parents but finding that you know that appropriate blending or balancing or integration of mercy and justice mm-hmm. um that that is it's a daily challenge and and i have another um, go ahead father
0: I, I was just thinking how oftentimes you know, you're afraid on the one hand, you don't want to be too hard. or You're going to break them or push them away, lose their love, whatever. On the other hand, you know, how how true it is that we can ruin lives by not challenging them and letting things go because we're afraid to say something or afraid, afraid that we will lose their love or they will reject us, these sorts of things and say, no, at some point, you know, am I going to be Am I going to be, you know, looking in God's eyes and Him asking me why did you let this person be this way? Because I was too soft or too hard, you know. It's there's there's a there's where the you know the late nights come in or the sleepless nights, and you know it's 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 very difficult because it could go both ways. I mean, you, you know, sometimes sometimes we we have too oftentimes presented to us the harsh father, the father who has alienated his children or who has treated them harshly, whatever. It's it's less common, I think. Although I think it's very real, where we have the indulgent father who never really was the father at all, because he was never willing to be that just figure in people's life. It's just a, it's, a, it's a difficult balance to play. It's it's worth of worth praying over all the time.
1: You know, one of the things that I've I learned um, way back in I think it was two thousand and two, uh, the uh, the arch diocese asked me to go around and teach uh, fifth and sixth grade teachers and religious educators on Formation for Love and Chastity, that program that Archbishop Brunette had put together. And um, I had to do a lot of research on um, the onset of um, risky behaviors. Um, and this fell into that category. In secular research, one of the things that it pointed out was that One of the most important factors that delayed the onset of risky behavior was having a parent who established and maintained boundaries. Mm -hmm. And that struck me so much that I, I have literally carried that with, (laughs) carried that with me into my own um, parenting style is that I know that Maintain, establishing and maintaining a boundary of saying this is acceptable and this isn't doesn't mean I have to raise my voice. It doesn't mean I have to be harsh or loud. It just means I have to be clear and consistent. And so one of the big things that I am constantly trying to practice as a father is being very loving in my demeanor and in my voice and my volume, my appearance but rock solid, unbendable in my presentation and application of principles and boundaries and standards. And I gotta tell you, that is a challenge, mm-hmm. but that's, that's how I, at least how I hold it forward, uh, is, is, is my ideal, is loving in my demeanor, but so clear, rock solid clear about what is bendable and what isn't in, when it comes to standards.
0: I hear you. Believe me, that's a, it's a beautiful challenge. You know, you can say things that are, you know, are going to be challenging to a person, but you say them out of love, speak out of love, you know, uh, speak the truth to them out of love. And as you say, it's a challenge sometimes, but it's, you know, that's, that's where you see the fatherly figures in your life. You, You see people like that and you remember them and, and eventually you're grateful, you know, maybe not at age 15, but, but eventually you're grateful to them for being able to do that for you.
1: Well, there's one other phrase. This is a phrase that Kerry uses. And fathers, I'd love for you to also reflect on this. Um, Kerry will sometimes come to me when she's like interacting with one or a bunch of our kids on some issue. And or even when we're like planning for a family meeting or something like this. And she'll say to me, Tom, I need your authority. I need your authority. I need you just to get in there and speak with authority to these kids about this issue or, you know, to our family about this. And it's, it's something that um, it, she relies on, she leans on, is that I, you know, she comes in there to create the, the home, I come in there as an authority to provide a sense of, again, protection over the home. Uh, Fathers, how do you experience part of your like, priestly call to speak with authority into the lives or over the lives of, of your parish
0: i think that's a very real part uh certainly of pastoring you know it, it's a, i think it's particular to a pastor who has authority in this community it lies a father has authority within the family and and i do think that this is something that we priests sometimes struggle with we again it's we can be too hard on it or or we can we can be an absent authority but i do think there's a very healthy way in which there's somebody there that has the ultimate authority to say, you know, this is right, this is wrong. Here's where we'll go. Here's where we're not going to go. And and I don't think people have used the exact words. I need your authority, but I do know that sometimes people they do want me to speak on something or come to a meeting or to be present in some way. And they're basically talking. You know, their, their desire is that, that to to lend my authority to whatever it is they want. Now, of course, sometimes people want to do <laughs> do that for things that I I may not agree with or I may say, you know, I. I don't think that's the proper place or time, but there are pro- proper places and times when the pastor's authority does have to come down and say, you know, okay, um, you know, this is I am is the spiritual father, so sort of saying, okay, this is this is it, this is where we're going to go, and this is where we're not going to go. So I do think that's a very real thing, and and again, as I said earlier, there's ways in which we can um, go too far in it, and, or but also we can go not far enough. And I think in our society it is is very much anti-authoritarian. Uh, we, we we resist authority on all sorts of levels, all levels really. That is that we as 21st century American priests are much more likely to um, to be absent authority as opposed to to um, to be too hard. At least at least I think that there's a uh, at least an equal uh, temptation in that direction for us.
2: I well, think you guys have pointed out you know, the goal is Ephesians 4:15, speak the truth in love, and, and I think sometimes when you see the fallout. of of not speaking with authority and not standing up for the truth, and you see the chaos and havoc it wreaks in other people's lives and in your parish communities, and that can be a great motivator to kind of step up and say, I'm doing this for the good of the community because this is rooted in the truth of the human person. But you really have to tune out popular opinion and hateful emails and letters from people and stuff for a greater good. And and of course, I know I've talked to many parents whose teenagers have told them, I hate you, <laughs> you know, when they discipline them and stuff. And I always say, oh, be careful because you're going to revisit that someday and, and realize that they did that out of love for you, trying to teach you responsibility and what charity is all about and everything. So you have to tune out the desire to be liked for the good of truth. And, and sometimes for me, I'm painfully aware of when I've not done that, when I see the effect of the enemy just coming and wreaking havoc because someone didn't stand up and speak the truth in love
0: yeah amen and i think that most priests could again most pastors that's one of the beautiful things about would be in a parochial vicar you know, it, at first when you, you you're ordained, you think I want to be a pastor really soon. But looking back, you think, boy, being a parochial vicar, being an assistant, it's really <laughs> great because you never like really to say no to anybody. Nobody's looking for you to authority. That, but once you're a pastor, that that's it is, true. That's certainly <laughs> true. You know, in, by the t- after, after you're a pastor for five or six years, you think, boy, can I get another assignment as parochial vicar somewhere? So <laughs> uh,
3: like being an uncle instead of a yeah,
0: it's being the fun uncle. You always get to be the fun uncle, or you get to be the the uh, you know the the wonderful guy that comes in from from nowhere and just gets to be nice and but we do see in the parishes and i know i know father jim that you know in your own situation that sometimes you have to say something and you're going to get the the negative response but you you never because if you but if you don't it's going to be your children are going to suffer a lot more and, and so that, that whole idea of the teenagers rebellion and sometimes a good father and a good mother for that matter, you know, says, you know what, sometimes my kids may not like me, but, um, they all always know that, that I love them and I'm doing this out of love for them. And someday, someday they'll, they'll see that actually, I think this is the right move. That's one of the hardest parts about though, being a pastor. And it's sometimes priests today, it's hard to get priests who want to be pastors sometimes. And that's probably the reason. That's the biggest reason they don't want to be pastors is that it's difficult uh, to exercise authority well and to be able to do it uh, knowing that it won't always be received well.
3: Well, I hope they already know this, but for parents who are trying hard to raise their kids in the church and um, under God's plan, we really see our priests as allies. And sometimes allies are pretty thin on the ground in the tri- in the way we try to raise our children. And so I think it's one reason that parents love a priest who's willing to exercise his authority, because it kind of covers our back in a way and allows us to exercise our authority and not be alone in doing that. Um, and just on a practical level, many is the time we've gone to a priest to ask advice about a decision that had to be made and... Um we've gotten good advice and we've gotten holy advice and we've, you know, been brought up short a few times when we had to be. And we just
1: appreciate that. Thank you for that, Pam. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, we need your authority. What Kerry says to me, I say to you, fathers, I need your authority. We need your authority. Uh, nothing makes me shout amen more than the clear conviction of someone who says, this is where we need to go and I'm going to lead you there. Mm-hmm. So please continue to be the voices that you both are. Well, with that, let's take a look at the voice, uh, the voice of uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Uh, We've got a few quotes here from him, uh, from uh, A Treasure in Clay, Those Mysterious Priests. Uh, Beautiful books. If you haven't read those books, uh, Those Mysterious Priests, amazing book. Give it to anyone who's thinking about becoming a priest. Think, read it yourself just to understand the mystery of the priesthood. Uh, and I think priests themselves would also find it to be a, a wonderful a wonderful gift. But let's start with the first one from A Treasure in Clay, Pam.
3: Each priest is a man with a body of soft clay. To keep that treasure pure, he has to be stretched out on a cross of fire. Our fall can be greater than the fall of anyone else because of the height from which we tumble. Of all the bad men, bad religious men are the worst because they were called to be closer to Christ.
0: Hmm, you know... <laughs> A joke could be made, a body's soft as clay getting softer as you get older. I, I can certainly <laughs> relate to that. But uh, seriously, I think this, when I when I hear about this, um, I do think that priests, you know, he says, of all the bad men, bad religious men are the worst because they're called to be closer to Christ. And I think that's a, the idea of scandal uh, is there. And I think that that's very real. Um, I do think, but I think that there's, you know, in, in some ways there's there's the, the relative way, and then the the, the objective truth of that statement. I, I do think that there's, I do think that you know if if a priest loses faith, or he can go really bad. And not you know it, it. I do think that there's something about you know the higher you fall from, the harder the the, uh, the bigger the crash is going to be. I do think that um, it's one of the reasons you know I think that people want us to pray for them. But I also think it's a call to pray for us as priests. And so, you know, on Father's Day, I hope there's lots of times people were saying to their fathers, I'm praying for you. And, um, you know, you, you need our support and our prayers. And that's, you know, not only a card or a little present, but also to know that you're praying for us. And I, I do know that I get lots of prayers. I'm told that all the time. I'm very well supported in that way. And I, I have no doubt about it. Because I do think that there's 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 ways in which you say, boy, I, I don't I don't want to blow this because the stakes are high. You know, talking about you know eternity and people's uh, souls and and so that 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 idea of needing to be um, protected from that fall is is very real. I also think there's some truth to the idea that um, you know the enemy is, wants to get priests even more than others in the sense that not that he's you know just after priests, but i do think there's the idea of, if i can get this person how many other people are going to be negatively affected you know that whole idea um and so i i do think that that I, that idea of vulnerability uh that goes with 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 the responsibility is very real
2: when i think of the passage in scripture to whom much is given much is expected and i remember one day after mass a preshner came out and said you know a priest who doesn't pray isn't even a moving target <laughs> it's like, was that a word of knowledge? Are you saying that to be <laughs> or just a general thing that my prayer life is growing weak or something? But I really, I've never forgotten that saying. And uh, we do have to stay strong. But sometimes, too, when we're aware of our own sinfulness and vulnerability, God can use that as a gift to kind of make us more compassionate towards others. But again, not lowering the standards, but just, you know, I'm, I'm a sinner, too. And, and if I think of myself above my people that I'm serving or, you know, better than them and that's just pride entering into my life and so sometimes those humbling moments when you fall into sin can help you realize that i need to be more serious about my prayer life or i need to strengthen my fortress in this area it's weak and the enemy's going to attack there and and so forth but but i think you always carry this awareness that people are expecting a lot out of you and and you just need to cling to jesus and and the holy spirit and otherwise you're just going to fail miserably but the bottom line too is that you don't put your faith in people you put them in god and i remember uh, a gentleman who just came into the church before I left college and then the priest he was with had a, a terrible fall and actually ended up leaving the ministry. And I met him a year later and I said, what did it do to your faith? And he said, I strengthened it. Hmm. He said, my faith was never in that person and, and I pray for them and that they'll find their way back or whatever, you know. But I, I, my faith is in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior and I'm still in the church. I'm still going to serve as a youth minister and so forth. So I was so happy when he said that. But, but it's sad at the same time because I happen to know the priest as well. So you know there by the grace of God go I and I think and, and I'm sure Tom is a father. You the same thing so much is expected of you and there must be those times where you're just overwhelmed and like, oh my gosh, I don't how am I doing here? And you just have mixed feelings and everything.
1: No, never had that, Father Jim. <laughs> always just kind well, What's like your I'm secret, out, I'm, dude? <laughs> I'm I'm outperforming. You know, I'm just as uh, <laughs> way above expectations, no, I, right? You're, you're yeah, way I'm above co- expectations. I'm, I'm, yeah, su- surpassing expectations. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, it's that uh, that radical sense of discrepancy, right, that exists between um, what I'm actually doing and what I feel my call is or what I know in my heart, my call is as a, as a father, uh, you know, as a husband, yes, but together with Carrie as parents over our kids. I mean, you talk of, yeah, that sense of burden. Yeah. That sense of a weight. Um, it's something I had no idea. I was signing up for that when I got married. I just, I did not know the, the existential weight, the spiritual burden, the, that sense of, wow, this I wonder what it's like to live a life without this. Uh, and I just can't even imagine it. But what it does for me is it just means that I got to rely on God. I got to learn to trust, trust, surrender, trust, surrender, call upon the grace of the Lord who called me into this. Right? Lord, you got to help me get through this. You need, you need to give us strength. I mean, that's, I, 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 and I think that's a good thing, right? It's one of the things that's dawning on me is like, wow, thank you, God, because you're actually keeping me close to you, you're keeping me humble, and hopefully getting me holy. And the alternative is what? If you're not willing to be stretched out on that cross of fire, well, guess what? The fall is going to be great. And so be humble or fall And is, I guess, the the wisdom of Archbishop Sheen here. And I think we need to hear it. Well, we're up against a break. When we come back, we'll uh, continue to take a look at uh, these quotes from Archbishop Sheen in the last segment of our program, today on Sound Insight. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. Drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to Sun Insight. This is Tom Curran I'm with Father Kurt Nagel, Father Jim Northrup, and Pam Gunderson. We're reflecting on uh, the call uh, of priests as spiritual fathers. And right now we're taking a look at some quotes from Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Pam, why don't we look at that one from those mysterious priests?
3: A priest is one who makes Christ visible. The people see Christ in the saintly priests and they seek even to touch his robes as they did the robes of Christ. Children come to him without fear. Non-Catholics give to them a reverence which they rarely give to others. The sure measure by which a priest draws souls to Christ is also the means by which he can drive souls from Christ.
0: I was thinking in looking at that uh, quote, um, first, I mean, it's it's hard for at least hard for me to. This was written in the 1950s, you know, uh, before the scandal in the, the the sex abuse scandal. And this last this last sentence certainly uh, is reflective of that. And I've felt that in the last you know 15 years or whatever it's been since that whole thing broke out in terms of the public uh, knowledge of it. And I, that being said, I do think that there's 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 truth to all of this, even in some ways, even. Even in in sort of a in a dark uh, the dark side thing of, I think there is this expectation of priests. You can let's face it, a a holy person always shows forth Christ to the world. Uh, And it doesn't matter if whatever your vocation or whoever you are uh, in the world. If uh, if you're filled with Christ, you know, Christ is going to make Himself known to the world through you, and so that's a blessing. But I do think that people have this expectation of priests that okay, because we make a, this this horribly incredible claim that I'm going to be acting in the person of Christ, that I, I'm making this claim that okay, go ahead and look at me. I'm wearing this collar. Uh, come and you want to see Christ? Come and look at me and that's you know it's kind of a it's a that's a lot of chutzpah in some ways to to say you know so people will say okay i think subconsciously or sometimes consciously they do say okay uh, do i see christ in you and so that's that can be a challenge i think um in terms of the wearing of the collar these sorts of things so i think there's great truth to what they're saying here and and there is there's also truth to the the fact that people do you know sometimes we get i think too overwhelmed by this scandal and and, and don't realize it you know the kids still There, there is still this um, this uh, reverence or this expectation of, of love. They they still like to come up and hug you and things like that. That's that's just sort of this natural thing. But I've also even seen like there's this reverence. They you know I get called father by people who aren't Catholic and never took the Catholic door uh, of a church, and and I just think that there's a truth there that um, is a very powerful role and for better or for worse and good and bad and and so again there's that that whole idea of uh, what are you going to do with this power this authority that's been given to you just by being who you are
2: I well, like the first part of that sentence a priest is one who makes christ visible and just the whole sacramentality the outward sign of an inward reality and if you're a man of prayer and connected with jesus and he's the lord of your life then, then somehow that's going to come out um but i remember uh, one of my teachers in the seminary, he's passed on. Now he was a homiletics professor and I had him for a spiritual doctor for a short time when mine went on sabbatical. And he just said, you know, when we used to put the collar on in the forties, which he was older, you know, we just the automatic respect, but now you have to earn it. And that's not a bad thing. And of course, this was before the, the big thing in 2000 of the sex abuse scandal. But I thought about what he said and just, you know, I don't expect that, you know, when I put the call on every day. And some people don't like you because you're a priest. But your your main job is to make Christ visible, to be the presence of Jesus for the people around you. And I do have people like doctors even that, you know, call call you certain things and stuff. And um, can I call you Father? They say you can call me anything you want. But Catholics call me Father Jim or something. And there is kind of, I mean, even people who aren't Catholics see a, a sign of respect for that. And all but but others don't and and the bottom line is you're most interested in the inward reality that's going on in your soul and not just appearances
1: well i know how many times it happens when i just you know when i'm out and about and and i if people i'm getting to know like maybe i'm just at a soccer game and i'm talking to the parents of that are next to me they find out i do church ministry work for the catholic church well they all start talking about oh i used to be catholic or this or that and they all want they have there's something about, uh, you know, if someone has uh, been related to the Catholic Church in some way, connected to it, that they are there's something that beckons to them when they uh, are able to come and come close to a visible representative. And I, that's just my experience as someone that's doing lay ministry. I mean, I, how much more? Must your days be filled with opportunities when you're visibly displayed as a uh, as a Catholic priest, or when people are just coming close to you? I'm going to guess that all the time it, it it leads you into conversations that no typical person's going to get.
0: I remember last week I was in a restaurant with another priest. We were both in collar, and just the waiter came up to us. It wasn't even our waiter he was just you know the guy at the at the water station you know and he come and he so he wanted to know or hey are you guys you know, are you, who are you? You're a priest? Oh, okay. And he just started talking about his, his problem. He wasn't he was a it was a, a Protestant, uh evangelical Protestant, but no no negativity there. He was just talking asking advice about, you know, what you know, how do we explain the Trinity to other people? And mm-hmm. and he was just very impressed with the fact that you know, so again, it was just you know, we were just trying to eat lunch and hear this guy coming up there and, you, and it was full bore. Uh, let's talk to Trinity. Um and so this that, a, a recent example of, you know, you just wear this and you ne- you never know what's gonna happen.
1: Father Jim, what about you?
2: Well, like on an airplane and this flight attendant kept kind of teasing me once on the way home from, my, I think it was a pilgrimage or World Youth Day. And and then at the very end, as the plane was about to land, um, she, she revealed that she said, I'm leaving the Catholic Church. And I, <laughs> of course, I didn't have a chance to really talk with her and gave her a business card and said, hey, can I pray for you? And, you know, I wish I had more time to talk with you and everything. And stuff. So like you say, the reactions aren't always good and everything, but, but at least, you know, that I'm available and I can pray with people. And that's, a, that's a sign you want it to be that you're, you're available to them to help them with their needs and everything. And I still pray for that person. I don't know whatever happened, if they actually followed through with that or not, but yeah.
1: And so um, I can remember a time when I was uh, in an airport and between flights and I was walking from one uh, gate to another And I saw there was a priest sitting in an empty uh, gate area and uh, went and just sat down, started chatting with him, asked if he was a Catholic priest. He said he was. And I asked to go to confession right there and uh, figured, hey, this is a great opportunity. You know, uh, and it was beautiful. And I don't know how how it struck the priest that, uh, you know, people coming up to him in airports asking for the opportunity to go to confession but for me, what a beautiful thing that a priest who was able to um, make visible his priesthood like that was really being an open door. You know, talk about uh, making Christ visible. If he was not dressed like a priest there, I would he wouldn't have been making Christ visible certainly in the same way that he was because he was dressed like a priest. I, I so I found uh, that a blessing.
0: I do think that's true. Wearing a collar, it, it, just wearing a collar makes Christ visible in some ways, um, even if you if you don't do anything good or bad. It just makes people think, you know, whether it's the ex-Catholics, the sort of fallen away Catholics, whether it's the faithful Catholics, whether it's who knows who it is. But it is a societal, societal-wide symbol of the Catholic Church, certainly, and it makes people think of Christ, I think, too. For better or worse, it doesn't, you know, all over the place. But it is a sign of contradiction in the world, I think, that, you know, that, that's out there.
1: Well, um, why don't we have we have time for one more quick quote here? And so, um, actually, I'm not even sure we do. Uh, you know what? We we really don't. So instead, I'll just ask for your closing comments, and then maybe a closing uh, priestly blessing. Um, from how about from you, Father Nagel, since Father Northrop um, got us started?
0: Certainly. Um, it- this is a great topic, I think, the, the idea of um, fatherhood and, and the, the power of the priesthood. I, I would think people who are, who are in the midst of discernment and not knowing whether married life is for them or fatherhood, if, if they're thinking, well, I have, I'll make a bigger impact on people in terms of father if I can be a true, you know, this biological father. I do think there's something very powerful about the true fatherhood that people uh, who god calls to be priests uh, have and so um i i just put that out there in your discernment sometimes people think that that's the, the big issue but um if god's calling to this um there will really be a fatherly dimension to your life
1: amen to that and how about a blessing now father
0: good and gracious god heavenly father i do ask your blessings on all those who are listening especially the fathers who are listening that they might truly be under your care your protection that your grace might flow through them and those who are in the circle of fathers who need their their love their blessing their strength their authority that they also might be a support but also just appreciate uh, and be able to receive blessings from the fathers that they, god you have given them so bless all of us today and we ask this through christ our lord amen, amen. amen. The father son the holy spirit
1: amen Amen. And that's Father Kurt Nell and Father Jim Northup and Pam Gunderson. This is Tom Kern listening to Sound Insight. Thanks so much for listening. Pray God's blessings on your day. Please join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.